0: This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora, I'm Ian Turner. Welcome to Garden of Sound, sponsored by The Nephilist. For those of you who've been to any of our Garden of Sound live gigs, you'll know they're alcohol-free. Thus was born the Nephilist. It's one of the first online alcohol-free bottle stores in New Zealand, and you can find out more about what The Nephilist has on offer by heading to thenephilist.com, that's N-E-P-H-A-L-I-S-T.com, or you can click through from the Gardener Sound homepage. Also on the Garden of Sound homepage, your chance to win Selwyn Sounds tickets. That's a prize worth close to $250. It's happening next year on March 7th in Lincoln. It's going to feature 10cc Icehouse and mid as well as Jed Parsons, Zed and a whole heap more. Just head to gardenofsound.nz to enter for those tickets. Okay, today on the show, another of Littleton's favourite sons, Ben Woods. He's a multi-instrumentalist and a gifted songwriter who recently toured with Aldous Harding and has received high praise for his last album, Put. There's talk of another album on the cards, but will it be a departure from the Ben we know and love? And will Ben's music reach a bigger audience in 2020? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Woods on Plains FM 96.9. Ben, I want to start the interview talking about um, you as as little, Ben, as a child, maybe hearing music for the first time.
1: I remember listening to tapes as a child. I remember listening to music in my mother's car. Just a lot of trash. I remember bands like S Club 7 and things like that, you know, just like the pop hits of the mid-to-late 90s Um, So when was Ben's first musical moment? There's a couple of things I think about There's that stage where you're about You know 10 to 12 where you and your friends start beginning to Try build some sort of like identity And I remember around then listening to a lot of, not even necessarily listening to, but thinking we were listening to, and listening to a couple of songs by like big great bands and hearing like rock music and metal, like The Who, you know, and like Led Zeppelin and stuff like that and thinking that was crazy or cool. And then um, one special experience I felt like I had, I used to work like um, volunteer when I was about 13 or 14 at a place um, over the hill, which was like a youth center kind of thing, just for like kids to hang out with. Where did you grow up? Littleton. 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 I lived here since I was like four, but went went to school over the hill in Sumner. So I never really knew anyone around here. And went to school over there. So this place was in Sumner, it was called Fuse. It was just like a kind of vaguely, I don't know, semi-religious... You center thing and it was fun met a lot of friends there and they would occasionally have gigs one gig they had was this band called the evens that is a later project by this guy called ian Mackay, who was in bands like minor threat and um and fugazi this band though is just him and his uh, partner it's just a two-piece. He plays baritone guitar and she plays drums, and they're really great. And they played this gig at Fuse, and I didn't know anything about them. But it was the first time I'd seen music up close by people who really wanted to take it really seriously. And weren't incentivized by, um, weren't incentivized by money, you know? And it was something quite different. Even though it wasn't even necessarily the music I was listening to at the time that was just a crazy experience and went up, my friend went up to him after the, um at the end of the show and asked him for a CD and he was like, only if you burn it for all your friends and that was just a, an exciting and strange experience to me and more so exciting and interesting because then I formed like a Probably like four year long complete obsession with his band when I was like you know nineteen to uh, twenty three or something was just like totally obsessed with his band. Yeah. But
0: how important is it for young folks to get out and see that kind of thing?
1: I think it's important. It definitely was important for me. Doesn't happen as much as I as it did. That's for sure. Here at least, I imagine
0: that setting was rather intimate compared to an edge fest or similar.
1: Yeah, it was a tiny room, a tiny room. With this big stage packed in as well, so even smaller. everyone was sat on the floor. Me and my friends were like wearing our like Nirvana t-shirts or whatever, just being the last holes like at the front. <laughs> like and it was but you know it was cool because there was people their whole thing, that guy that band they like all about like the all ages thing, which is really great and I appreciate that. And that was very prominent in that space because it was you know, people would obviously like listen to his bands for years, and were coming up, but also people who had no clue. Just wanted to go down the road to like see this strange band. Yeah. So
0: you've gone along, you've seen these groups, you've got a you got a taste for it. Um, when was the first time you sort of sang or picked up an instrument?
1: I started taking guitar lessons prior to that. You know, when I was like nine or something.
0: Was that you? Was that mum and dad going, you know, you got a, You got a talent for
1: it? I can't actually remember, but I'm pretty sure it was me. But they probably were like, yes, because it was just... You could do it at school for very little money. And the lessons were like, useless. I'm sure. Well, I mean, not useless. I obviously learned some things. But, you know, it would be like someone like me, or even with even... Not trying to in any way sound arrogant, but like, you know, just people who would, like, play bands on the weekends and were just, like, obviously in their 20s and, like, a drummer would be teaching you how to play the guitar and he just knew a few chords. But that's all he needed and so it was great for that. And more, what was more exciting was actually encountering adults who weren't your parents or teachers, I think, who were interested in music because you were like, oh, that's kind of fun and crazy. Um,
0: You've talked about uh, a variety of bands going all the way back to The Who and and Led Zeppelin and also some pop-punk, hmm. or even post-punk. Any group or any musical stylings that's influenced you um, on your road to becoming Ben Wood's solo
1: artist? Definitely not any of those bands that I talked about. <laughs> I think kind of from where I was talking about earlier, where I saw that band, that even then got into like Fugazi and then yeah, shifted more towards the punk, post-punk thing. And then through that, I think found a connection that I think was all, maybe, all, uh, yeah, I think it was always there into more, I don't know, like slower or sadder music, because I think that might just sit with my general nature, you know? Um, I feel like I like things that are quite low key or things that are like quite extreme you know i don't and maybe there's some middle ground there and definitely more so i think as i keep going but um i started listening to bands that maybe came from like a somewhat similar ethos but had a different sound like cat power and like elliot smith and then offshoots of them or like you know just these like scenes i would get obsessed with and like look on the internet and figure out all their friends and through that found out like their backing bands and things like that and um mentioned the dirty three to you
0: why the dirty three because they're an instrumental group so there's no vocals going on there Mm.
1: to me they are like virtuosic and they're playing but they also constantly sound like they don't know what they're doing they're about to fall apart but it just sounds perfect and it kind of goes between the lines of music theory and feel but creates something that's like more than that
0: what are we going to hear
1: Uh, the song Hope by them.
0: And why that particular track?
1: Something just like clicks when I hear that song. And it's very simple. It's kind of repetitive. There's like maybe two parts and then a bridge. But it's, it's that thing. The violin sounds like they're playing like harmonics or something. And it just kind of sounds a little bit like bendy and out of tune. The drums, he changes the beat constantly and falls in and out. The guitar is kind of the same way it just all is so minimal but everything speaks at a really like characteristically at like quite a loud volume you know what i mean by that yeah like so much character it's just like oh but they don't need to do much to prove it <laughs>
0: of Sound interview with Ben Woods on Plains FM 96.9.
1: Hey, I'm Max, singer and guitarist from Merlin Co. When you need some stellar photos to help sell your band or next gig, get in touch with Shannon Jessica. She's not just a great photographer, she froths
0: local music. And that passion comes through full swing in all the work she does. This month, Shannon's offering a lovely introductory special, meaning your shoot could cost as little as 150 bucks. But these packages have got to be snatched up by the end of the month. So, visit shannonjessica.com for a beaut portfolio from your next gig. That's shannonjessica.com. This is the Garden of Sound interview. Do I Sorry. Oh, no. That's right. You're allowed to cough. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Woods on Planes FM 96.9. Ben, uh, I want to talk about gigs, and we've had the. Uh, the Fuse experience as far as a venue goes. Um, what's the first gig apart from Fuse that left an impact on you maybe with a...
1: That was enjoyable? Yeah. I saw that band Muse play. and I really enjoyed that. I Where did you see um, them? At, um, was it Westpac at the time? So Christchurch? Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, I remember really enjoying that. But it was because of the pure scale of it, you know. It was it was it was special, in that I was like I've never been on my own to something so huge and so high production before, and seen all that, and that was great for that. But in terms of shows that felt more special, I think it was local things. Mm-hmm. I saw the Mint Chicks. That was that was actually I reckon that's I can't even remember necessarily when that was. I remember I was like a young teenager. Do you remember the venue? The Civic. Yeah. Um. That was a good hybrid from what we talked about earlier it wasn't high production in the sense that there was like a big lighting rig and the sound was pretty good but not like incredible it was just the energy that was there and the band and it was like kind of scary for me at the time because I was like quite young there's a lot of you know adults there and it was extreme he was like you know the singer uh cody nielsen was like climbing things and like doing jumps and it was like you know they're like a kind of punk band so and that same thing again where you can see something that's a little bit i don't know you don't know how you're going to take it because it's not what you're totally adjusted to all the time have
0: your multi-instrumentalist chops been influenced by groups or individuals such as cody um, Or is it just the fact that you want complete control over?
1: No, it's definitely just the complete control thing. The wanting to have the whole vision. And maybe that's a th- I think that's a thing that... I think bands can do that. And when they do it, I think it's amazing. And you can change rapidly. It's not necessarily the sounds. Like I said, we're saying like, Dirty 3, that was maybe more a direct sound thing that I'm like, oh well, yeah, this is really speaking to my ability to not play instruments well. <laughs> I love it, you know? But other bands, they sounded familiar, like I've heard I had, at that point, you know, you've heard punk music and stuff like that, but they, to me, are a band that doesn't sound like a lot of other bands, you know, and we're only... Th- they were together for a while, I guess, but it feels like their, um, the mark they made was not particularly huge. I kind of think that's great as well, because it was just there. It was really special, maybe for them, definitely for other people. And then that was it, you
0: know. Prior to going out on your own, where was the most personal development?
1: I think I can summarize it quickly using a couple. (laughs) Which is, being in my first band, which was just effectively like a punky noise band with a lot of my friends that was very special because i shared the whole band experience and we all had a creative um input together and we're also very young and so you know there's like emotions and trying to figure out how it all works that was all very special and then later on playing with my friends bands more as like a side person like a my friend Luke's Band World Series or my friend Joe's Band, Salad Boys, that was the most recent too, probably. That was fun because I definitely had um, an attachment, but it wasn't necessarily like as big a creative one. It was like playing guitar, playing drums. And it was beautiful to kind of watch someone else do the whole band thing with them in charge. And I think that taught me a lot as well about it's just like kind of you're watching someone do all their magic tricks over and over again, and then through that you're kind of like, oh, I'm kind of I see, I see what you did there. That's quite exciting and different to how I do it, and therefore you kind of that was a really special experience on its own. And as well, like touring, I'd never really done that up until then, and so seeing the same thing through that, yeah, that was special.
0: So life on the road—it's not a
1: Kerouac thing, but more from a
0: woods perspective is there anything you sort of look back on on those times or even more recently with you travelling throughout New Zealand a number of times very recently anything you would advice you'd give to a to a younger person going out what not
1: to do when you're away from home in regards to touring i'd say i am someone who's always very last minute about things and each tour i get better at booking it further behind and i need to do it i need to start doing it like a year behind that would be great. Or like six months behind, but I never have that much scope. And there's been tours definitely that have been like, we're booking a gig, you know, a couple weeks before, which is like completely stupid and not promoting it properly. So definitely um, in regards to touring, doing that. But in terms of my the way that I've toured, I really am fond of trying to get around the country for less than just over a thousand dollars and staying on couches and trying to like plan the ferry and i don't know all that kind of stuff like i don't think do you feel it's character building or is it just a challenge it's really rewarding more so it's not like hard i think i mean it's probably actually i'm saying this as someone who's never been able to tour the other way which is by having like hotel rooms and all that kind of thing or whatever it is but So I bet that it's easier actually doing that and maybe if I get to do that one day I'll be like, I don't know what he was talking about. But I reckon it's real special because you're meeting people constantly you are... I don't know, it feels like a bit of an adventure in a real special way. And you have to sometimes make frustrating or tough phone calls and you have to do things on the fly and get on with people on the fly or try to and things like that i don't know that at the time is quite it takes a lot of energy but i think it ends up being you know that's that's the type of stuff that people always end up talking about right
0: we'll talk about composition in the next part of the show um but it is time for some more music and i want to see is there a um, is there a favorite artist i know that's very difficult as you have a wide variety of tastes i'm sure Uh, Anything we could hear from someone?
1: Kappa. She's a woman from somewhere in the southern states called uh, Shan Marshall, or Chan Marshall. I don't know which way it goes properly, but... She is someone who, from my understanding at least, was just cruising around in, I don't know, maybe throughout America kind of ended up shifting a few places eventually pretty much got asked to sing some songs sometime and it didn't have that in her in the scope of things she thought she might do and effectively ended up doing it and ended up doing it incredibly well and then like spawned a career out of that that's gone on for you know like 30 or however long years the way she her lyrics and the people she tends to work with, who often are her backing bands that change regularly on most records. I don't know, she just has something very special about her, and her own voice that she brings on.
0: What are we going to hear?
1: The song that I chose is uh, a song called Taking People by her off um, the album What Would the Community Think? It's just a sweet and like quite simple song. There's some songs on that record that are... Um, Really quite sparse and strange, and some that are a bit more rocky, almost. But this one I think just sits in a real middle ground place, which is just feels a bit like quite effortless and kind of charming and easy and beautiful, and it was just the first one that clicked when I when I was looking
2: at it.
3: Ooh, you
2: Whose robes
3: did they trade you for such appeasance?
0: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Woods on Plains FM 96.9. Earlier this year, you released an album called Put. Nine tracks? Yeah. On that album? Nine tracks. Nine's an
1: excellent number. I think Um, it's good, especially for a first one, eh?
0: We've touched on the touring and the, the admin side of the brain, and then the not touring and more space for creativity. Um... How do those songs come about? Is it just personal experience or I've read the news
1: today? Yeah, it came from, I think, the process of a lot of things changing in my life. You know, it was one of those things where you like change friends. You maybe like have a breakup, decide to move. I have decided the best way to do it in terms of was to, one, I wanted to do music really badly and that I always have. And I was like, "Gonna do it," and that maybe a good way to do that would be to do it on my own, and therefore, at my own pace, and write whenever I want, and record, be able to record at home, and um, experiment, and not have to be stick to any particular sort of instrumentation or style. Just go with my intuition on things, and not have to really consider it, just be able to go full, whatever comes out, comes out, you know?
0: You said record at home, but the album itself was recorded in Dunedin. Yeah. uh, At Radio 1. One. Yeah. yeah. How did that come about?
1: Effectively, money, you know, that is a thing, and a a tough thing. (laughs) Uh, So I don't, it didn't have a lot of that. And so, I was trying to figure out how I wanted to, how I could record it, and I wanted to record it well, but I also wanted to have enough time to figure out what the songs were going to sound like, and so I pretty much recorded the whole album first at home, it's all there, part a part effectively, but just I'm not very good at, I don't have any expensive gear, nor am I in any way proficient with recording software, so I pretty much, over the period of about six months, did the album at home, and throughout that time, spoke to my friend Stephen John Marr, who worked at, works at Radio 1, and got in touch, and just, because he's great at recording, he his, he was in a band called Dopra from here as well, that were good, and he did all the production stuff on that, or like a, a big part of it at least, and so I was just like, talking to friends effectively, being like, what can I do, and he said, he told me about this place there that they have a little studio and that they were going to get some more money and get some more gear and just said come down for a week and we'll be able to do it and so we uh tracked it all in five really long days there while i was staying with him and yeah it was it was great and it's amazing that it sounds as good as it does because yeah, I just didn't... I didn't know at that point. I do not think how long it would take. But I think we did a five days. that were like 12 or more hours each day of just, like, doing every part. It was just, like, me and him and having another friend of mine come in and play strings. And I don't know. It was just... It was so fast-paced. <laughs> but I think, yeah, coming out the other side felt like a bit of a blur. But, yeah, it was great. It was really good.
0: Did... Stephen Part produce the album, or was he there just making sure that it sounded good?
1: Well, you know, we're friends. And so going into it, I don't think we had a conversation regarding, like, producing. Because a producer is like, I don't know, if you have a producer, I guess, often it's someone you're like, wow, this person's going to really be able to shape it up and make it sound how I wanted to whereas all the songs are there already but because I'd done them all on my own I was like it would be good that Stephen's there because I trust him as well and that I know he's going to be able to say to me that's a really strange and stupid idea that you thought was good there maybe we could change that or if I do like a vocal take that's bad which there were so many that he would be able to be like no, it just got to the point when we were recording where I would be trying to, like, as well, because we did most of the vocals, I think, in one day, so by the end, trying to sing falsetto backing vocals over and over with, like, a really hoarse voice, just being like... And he, it was just, like, 15 seconds, and then he would stop and be like, that was horrible, we just did it chunk by chunk and got through it, and it was all pretty much because he... By that point, I was just like, I do not know what was going on, <laughs> you know? And it was just him pretty much being like... Yep, yeah, usable, usable, we got this, we got this. That was horrible. That was horrible. <laughs> what do you
0: think he learned from that
1: process? Uh, he's a, he's pretty good at being straight up and blunt, but also maintaining that it's not, uh, he's not, you know, he doesn't really feel like he's like, I don't think he'd be, it would really hurt anyone because he's just like, we're doing this. Especially in that space, you're like, we're doing this and we want to be the best. So we're, you know, you can be a bit of a dick and it, you know. And you it's have fine. confidence in his abilities. Absolutely.
0: So these tracks, which you've admitted that you have a great deal of, or at least want the control over, translating them from the recorded medium to a band setting mm. and even choosing those people to play your music, how did that come about? Did you have people in mind when you set about wanting to take the stuff on the road?
1: I mean, my idea for the band was that I'll do all the songs and then I'll find how I can find and then and maybe more than you know like more than one band maybe different people that can sub in and out was my ideal then we can just translate the songs to whatever feel good and they don't have to match the recordings because if you do like a big recording I don't think unless you have the ability or like the assets to get every instrument and all the people you need or people you hire whatever it is it's just never going to be as good and often even if you do have those things it's never as good as the recording so I think the live thing to me is you know obviously trying to keep it similar but give it its own flavor depending on who I'm playing with. It must be rather exciting Yeah, it's nice, it's real nice it's kind of a bit scary but also now the band that i'm with pretty much it's it's pretty locked in and i feel like it's gone to the point where it's just i feel like we're quite solid and it's a real nice feeling to know what the live thing's going to sound like now and then try to shift it from there you know now that's somewhat established do you pay them or is it just favors uh mostly favors but i pay them i mean i pay them when i make the money (laughs) to pay them yeah you know, I gave them all like a couple hundred bucks after we did a tour, I think. Or maybe even, I don't know. Does, you know, but like it's not, they are doing me a favor. That is 100% for certain. And I'm very, very, very lucky to have that because otherwise it would just be Ben.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd really like to hear uh, something else off put. Now, I've already played Good To Be Sleeping, which I love. What
1: uh, What could you offer up? You've listened to that song. The song before that is other people's. I don't know. It was the one that people seem to really like that I didn't, that I didn't like, but now I've grown to really enjoy. It's called Romancy. Um, obvi- yeah, obviously a lot of the songs I stuck with the working titles, <laughs> but um, the song I wrote—it's just like a love song. But I just wanted to write like the gushiest love song I could, you know, just like not because there's so much especially when you're playing music and mostly to people you know and not like a huge scale all the time it's really hard to remove yourself from it and so writing something like a love song it's so easy to be really conservative about it and you're thinking i'm saying this constantly and so i was like i'm gonna do the opposite of that i'm gonna write something really bullshit and big like every line, I'm pretty sure on that song starts with me being like, "I," just talking about myself, being like, "I feel this way," like really, just like almost to the point where it's stupid. <clears throat> but um, that was my goal, and it's it's just, I think two verses and then like a guitar interlude. It was just like, lit it up, and um, I didn't think that I was going to record it, and then I started playing the home recorded version I did, and everyone was like, "Wow, that was really great!" So, I ended up doing it and as well because. I only had eight songs, so you got to have nine. <laughs> but I'm really glad because, yeah, beautiful song, I think.
0: is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Woods on Planes FM 96.9. Ben, uh, we just heard Romancy. uh, That's off your 2019, that's this year, release put. Um, What about the future? Is there more stuff from the pen of Mr.
1: Woods that's going to hit our eardrums at some point? Absolutely. Um, More touring. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely going to do another album. I have finished it i finished, I've written it all. It's all ready to go. Who knows when that will come out? That's the only frustrating thing, is that you write an album, but then there's so much more that has to happen.
0: You say more touring, and you did three tours on put or four? I think, put, yeah,
1: three or four, but most of them, all of them, but one, were before the album came out. Uh-huh. But going through that process of writing and then, you know, trying to figure out how to put it out and stuff like that. So, how will the next tour differ? Because I
0: imagine you want things to get bigger. I would hope or so. At least start to pay their way. Yeah,
1: that would be good. But I think the only way you can do that is by just keep doing them. Just keep going. Just do the long game. Keep writing. Keep playing.
0: Is that the entirety of the plan?
1: Yeah. Okay. There's no other plan. It's just keep going and keep trying to beat myself at doing a better version of what's happened previously or a better tour than what's happened last time or more well-organized and, you know, just keep trying to upscale or go overseas, you know. That was definitely something that I want to do.
0: How was it touring with um, Aldous Harding?
1: It was good. We did four. Oh, when I say we, I did one with the band and three. Just solo, supporting, and um, that was a good. Th- that was a- talking about touring. It was a funny thing because it was an insight to the way that people do it <laughs> when they have. I don't know a huge audience and silver like, scroll. Yeah, that's right. All the great things that she deserves, um, but yeah, that was that was amazing, and it was easier. It was easier to play those shows because I'd have dinner and I'd have, like, drink a beer and have a shower and be in a room of my own and relaxed and not really have to do the social things or do a lot of setup and then you play and you can't, you know, there's, like, lights and things and there's, like, more of a distance between you and the audience and a really nice way where you can, like, push yourself way harder because you feel it's easier to be in that alone space, you know? and um so that was a very exciting part of that it was my favorite thing this is like i wish i could do that again and i hope that i can so you have
0: got a taste for it more than the thousand dollar ben woods special
1: yeah well not i like the running around but i also like the not having to like when you do a show locally on a small tour a lot of it is sound check sit around for a couple hours usually because you're often in a bar or whatever, drinking with your friends and socialising and catching up with people if you're in a different city that you haven't seen in a long time and then playing. It was like having that just like small amount of downtime between, which is something you could probably do if you're more organised. Um, that was real nice. It was real nice and special. And cool to see someone who could... who took a band that takes it that seriously that it is just like a, you know, vocal exercises, shower... Iron the clothes, have a snack. Let's like let do it. You know their attitude; like it's really professional. And though I always like things that aren't particularly professional surrounding music a lot of the time, it was actually a really nice experience.
0: You talked about going overseas. Um, I imagine there must be some festivals that you'd want to to hit up somewhere in the world. Any that sort of spring to mind, or is it
1: nothing that springs to mind? Just because it's it's such a big It's just, it's a big, I don't know, it's a black hole, you know. It's just, I just want to, I've never done that before. I've never really travelled a lot. So, that is the next step effectively, I think. It's just going out there and seeing what happens. And not that I want to, when I say like travel, I don't want to like, I don't know. It's not like I have a plan to like do a massive world tour. It's just that I want to go other places, try to do the same thing I'm doing now, there, and see how that feels, and then go somewhere else, maybe, or come back, or, you know, just, just having the experience of, of trying, and that to me, because I've always been here, is such a foreign thing, I can't even begin, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what that'll be like, and that's quite exciting, so, that's a big part of the plan, but, in saying that, it's also giving up all the things you have here, all the ties, and the band members, and the, you know, so, it goes two ways.
0: You talked earlier about um, a producer and taking it to the next level. Is there anyone out there that your ears have gone, actually this person could benefit my style or my way of doing things?
1: Well, I'm going to record the next album with Ben Edwards. It's more about giving myself more time, having like more space, and actually having someone in a... You know, being like, you're in a production role. I think that is a very exciting thing to have. So that that's kind of their job. And you know what I mean? And so, and that for me as well, to give them more songs that are more ambiguous in how they're going to turn out, rather than having everything just like ticked off, being like, here's every track, like perfect, we're just going to recreate this, having a bit like, here's the songs, here's like some drums, here's like the chords. We can work from there, you know? And I think that'll be something special, but I think Ben will be very great for that because he's sweet and we get on.
0: Yeah. Time for a final track. Any particular
1: artist out there who floats Ben's boat? Yeah. I've chosen... Song called "Lapse" by Chris Knox, plainly because he um, is—he's the—he's the the best. He's one of the best, definitely. And he just holds.
0: Is he kind of like the anti Dave Dobbin of New Zealand?
1: (laughs) (sighs) Anti Dave Dobbin. I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. I. I can see what you mean in the sense that he is. Uh, um,
0: but I mean more more Batman to Superman.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. In the sense that um, he's just great and he's. When I think of New Zealand music, I think of him in the same way that people think about Dave Dolben and Slice of Heaven. Um, he's just. He has a voice that is uniquely his own. And because he is from New Zealand, maybe that's tied to it. But he, he sounds like himself. speaks like himself he doesn't he uses language that when you hear him sing it sounds like he's just having a conversation but he's also saying amazing things in his own way and all the sounds that he uses whether it's with um total wolves or any of his groups or solo which is what this track is i think a lot of people wouldn't be brave enough to be like yeah we're gonna do that it's just like often he was like, you know, slap tables, the guitars sound kind of strange, his voice is pretty um there hasn't been a lot done to it, you know, it's all just very there, but it's just it's so strong. And I think that's why he's definitely What track are we gonna hear? Very special. Um The song is called Lapse. Ben?
0: Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks, mate. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for being here today. My guest was singer-songwriter Ben Woods. Head along to GardenofSound.nz, click on Ben's picture on the front page to find out more about what he's up to. You can hear a bespoke Spotify playlist of all the songs and artists we talked about today. Just a quick reminder about those Selwyn Sounds tickets, yours for the winning by heading to GardenofSound.nz. And please do check out Garden of Sound's sponsor, The Nephilist. One of New Zealand's only online alcohol free bottle stores. You can get your fill at thenefalist.com. That's N E P H A L I S T.com. Right, that's Garden of Sound for another week. Next show I'll be doing will be a wrap of 2019. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. up